Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Hoare, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, July 23rd, 2017 by guest preacher Pastor Phil Moldenhauer on the basis of selected verses from Matthew 13. We have a tendency to hear and think about Jesus' parables, I think, in the same way that we watch movies or read books, and this is what I mean by that. When is the last time that you have watched a movie and you sat down and at the end of the movie, as you were thinking about it, you thought, man, I really wish that I were the villain in that film. Or when is the last time that you've read a princess fairy tale and when you got to the end of the princess fairy tale, the thought running through your mind was the person in that fairy tale who's most like me, in fact, the person in the fairy tale who I would most like to be is the evil and ugly stepsister. This isn't the way that we watch movies or read books, is it? In fact, movies and books are made to encourage us to aspire to high ideals. ideals. They make us, at the end of them, think, boy, I would really like to be like the hero or the heroine, right? And I know some of you will object and say, now they make movies where the villains are glorified. And I might counter and say, I'm not sure that it's glorifying the villain for being evil, but maybe it's glorifying the redemption of a villain. That's a discussion that we can have at another time. It's not pertinent now. What is pertinent and what is worth thinking about is, is this the way that we think about Jesus' parables? Especially, perhaps, the parable that you just heard in our gospel today, the parable of the sower and the seed. I wonder if when we hear Jesus tell this parable, if we don't think it's like Jesus is trotting the cast of the movie out before our eyes, and we are supposed to sit there and say, which one of the characters am I? Or you could think of it like Jesus is giving us a police lineup, and in the parable of the sower and the seed, there are four people in the lineup, and I'm supposed to pick myself out. So we hear this parable, and the first person, the first character we see is Mr. Hardened Path, the person where God's word doesn't even get past their ears. It just bounces right off. Maybe they even scoff about it and make fun of it. And you and I think about that, and we say, obviously, that is not me. After all, here I sit in church to do what but to listen to God's word. And so, so much for person number one in Jesus' police lineup. Well, then we have the second person in the lineup, Miss Shallow, whose faith is all aflame until the smallest little trouble comes along, and then it just goes out like that. And again, we think that is certainly not describing me. It's another villain. It's not me. And so we pass them by. We get to the third person in Jesus' movie cast, his police lineup, Mr. and Mrs. Materialist, who are Christians, yes, but there's so many other things that they are too, so many other things to be worried about and things to do that God's word sometimes gets pushed off to the side. And while this one seems to sound a little bit more like me, I can comfort myself by saying, it's not me right now when I'm sitting here and listening to God's word. Then, of course, we get to the hero, Mr. or Miss Good Soil, 
where the seed falls and takes root and grows up and the plant is lush and luxurious and it brings forth an abundant crop, a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was sown. And we say, gee, that sounds like somebody I know. That sounds like me. We have a tendency to read Jesus' parables like this, don't we? We never instantly cast ourselves as one of the villains. We always like to think that we are the hero, the heroine, the example that Jesus sets before our eyes. But I would like to reframe your way of thinking about this parable today. And I'd like to do so by, by pointing out that these four individuals don't necessarily mean four different people. In fact, I would say that all four of the attitudes that Jesus describes in the parable of the sower and the seed have one home, and that one home is in your heart. In other words, a better question to ask than which one is I is this. What mix of soil is in my heart? How much of it is hardened path and how much of it is shallow ground? How much of it has too many thorns and thistles growing up? How much of it is rich, good soil? Or if you want to think about it a different way, don't think about this like Jesus is putting a police line up in front of you and you're supposed to choose out of the four which one you are. Think about it like it's your closet and inside of it are hanging four different outfits. And the truth is that just like the clothes in your closet, you wear all of them at different times. Pull the first hanger out of that closet and what do you find? You find the hard-shelled windbreaker that you don when you know exactly what God's word says, but you don't like it or you don't want to do it, and so you simply refuse to listen to it. I know that God's word says that I shouldn't drink too much, but there are exceptions to be made for holidays and Packers games and for the end of really stressful weeks, right? I know that God's word says that I should love others and forgive them, but I'm justified in holding on to a grudge and some anger and resentment towards this person because they wronged me so much. I know what God says in his word about people of the same gender marrying, but that's not the way that the world works anymore. So I'm simply going to cast that off to the side and ignore it. And it seems to me that this hard-shelled windbreaker where God's word just bounces off us, this hardened path, stony ground, is something that afflicts even the most mature Christians, even more than perhaps we'd like to admit. So much for the first outfit in the closet. Pull out the second one. On the second hanger hangs the red dress that you put on when you want to be noticed, the flashy red dress. It's when you are aflame for being a Christian and you are on fire for your faith, it's just this. You only like to wear that flashy red dress when everybody around you is wearing the same flashy red dress. It's easy to be on fire for being a Christian when you're sitting here among your brothers and sisters in Christ. But when you go out at your job or with your neighbors or family or friends, 
and you look around and you realize that no one else is wearing a red dress and they're all looking at you kind of funny, the first thing you want to do is run back home and put on something a little trendier. You cover up your faith. You aren't so aflame or excited about it when you're not around people who understand it because you don't want to stand out. Isn't that the essence of the shallow, rootless faith that Jesus described? And how many times haven't you clammed up about your faith because you didn't want to face the consequences of being open about it and sharing it? So much for the second outfit in the closet. How about the third one? I like to picture this one as athleisure wear. It's what you, you get into when you're going to do a workout. Because you know that God's word is powerful and it works and you know that you should be in it. This is something that's going to be good and healthy for you. And you go about it with all of the same determination that you go about keeping your New Year's resolutions at the beginning of the year and your workout regimens that you, that you perhaps follow. You go at it really well for a while. You're really doing well. You're pumped up. You're fired up about it until that one day comes when you decide to fudge just a little bit and to pass by your workout for a day. Why? Because, well, there were so many other things to do. You, you had to don the yoga pants of the 24-7 soccer mom or the pressed suit of the very important and very busy businessmen. And all of those things take time. And all of them are pressing on you. And something has to give. And what ends up giving is God's word. You see, as much as we would like not to cast ourselves as the villains in Jesus' parables, and as much as we can find other people who are prime examples of each of these different kinds of soil, isn't it far more important to ask what's inside your heart? How much of the soil in your heart is hardened? How much is shallow? How much has thorns and thistles that are threatening the growth of God's word? And know this, just as surely as you at different times are all three of those first kinds of soil, so I also believe that in your heart there is that fine, rich, good soil. And I know this. Only people who have good soil in their heart would care to ask a question like this. What mix of soil is God's word going to find when it comes to me? For, for those who have good soil in their hearts, those who have heard God's word, you know what happens to them? What it does? How that seed takes root and grows up? It takes root by pointing out, by convicting us, of all of the times that we've despised God's word, that we've been that hardened path or shallow soil, that we've let the cares and concerns and the riches of this life choke out God's word in our hearts. And it makes us feel sorry for those times. It makes us do even more than feel sorry for them. It causes us to drop to our knees and confess 
what we know God considers to be sin. And then that same seed, that same word of God, which strikes us and it reveals to us the hardened spots in our hearts, it also reveals the wonderful blessing, the power of God's word to come with forgiving, forgiveness and peace through our Lord Jesus, who suffered and died for despisers of his word, for those who have been more concerned about the material concerns of this life than about his word. And that seed which hits that soil springs up. It has sprung up in your heart. That is, after all, why you are here, isn't it? Because you know the power of God's word, that this is the place where Jesus meets you, where he convicts you and forgives you, where he gives you life out of death, and where he is ever working to change the mix of soil in your heart and slowly, over time, to build up rich, good soil more and more so that when his word comes and strikes you, it might produce a crop, 30, 60, or 100-fold. What does that mean for us? When we ask this question, what mix of soil is in my heart? You know that until the day that you die, all four different kinds of soil are going to remain in your heart. But doesn't it mean that you consider in your life what needs to change, what, what should happen to help build up that good soil where God's word will take root and grow? Doesn't it tell you that you need to get your priorities straight? That listening to his word is the most important thing that you can do? That this is, in fact, where heaven touches earth and where Jesus meets with you? Have you ever considered this? Is it always your pastor's job to make sure that you're really interested in listening to a sermon? I know that Pastor Bauer is a good preacher, so uh, this maybe isn't that big of a concern for you. But have you ever thought about this? that it's just as much your job to pay attention and to listen to the sermon, even if the preacher isn't so great, so that you can grow from it and get more out of it? Doesn't this tell you that you can't make excuses for why you wouldn't spend time in God's word? That, in fact, it's the very best use of your time and that you can never get too much of it? that you would dig into it in Bible study or in your own devotions? Doesn't it tell you that God's word, which is so powerful, which never changes, which always comes to you to grow and produce fruit, is going to continue to do so? And Lord willing, it will find in your heart more and more good soil so that the crop might grow and might multiply so that more and more you might be the hero in Jesus' parable so that more and more he might work through his word 
to bring forth fruit in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.